Romans, the 10th chapter and the 17th verse, and also to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Tonight we're going to be talking about the working of miracles. We're in that area of the gift of faith, the working of miracles, gifts of healings, the power gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestations of the glory of God. And we're stirring ourselves up during this time of prayer and fasting. We're believing God for miracles on every front. Your life, our lives, the life of the church, everyone say miracles are for us today. And we desire them and we covet them earnestly. The Bible tells us that we are to covet, we are to desire earnestly the best gifts. Covet, desire spiritual gifts. That means we need to be hungry for them. And the hungrier we are for them, the more that we will desire them. And the more that we desire them, the more that we will go after the working of miracles for the benefit of people getting their needs met. Amen? And so that's an awesome thing. You know, in Romans 10, 17, this is a scripture I want to pay attention to for a moment. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we are to covet these gifts, if we are to long for them, we need to hear about them. We need to be taught about them, preached about them, so that faith can come and we can be in a posture and in a position of expectation. Amen? Now, it's interesting when you talk about the gifts of the Spirit, you see the word operations, distributions, demonstrations, manifestations. And one of the definitions for the manifestation is, is to show, uh, to reveal, to show forth. And so the gifts of the Spirit is God showing up, God showing off, God showing forth His power. Amen? Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going, to, we're going to look at the verses there. I think it's in verse 1. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. And then he goes on in verse 4, and he says, There are diversities of gifts, the same Spirit, different administrations, the same Lord, different operations, the same God which worketh all in all. And then he goes on to list the manifestations of the Spirit. In verse 7 he says, They are given to profit with all. And it says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith or special faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings, literally that's plural, by the same Spirit. Everyone read the next verse. To another working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. Now read verse 11 with me. But all these worketh that one and the same selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. These gifts, these manifestations, these demonstrations are not as we will. But they are as he wills. But we have discovered that he is willing. He is willing to show forth his power. Especially in an atmosphere of expectancy. Especially in an atmosphere where people have faith. Where people are believing corporately to see the manifestation of God and His presence show up so that lives can be changed by His grace. Amen? And so we understand that the gifts of the Spirit are as He wills, but He's willing. And we're willing to have Him show up 
show off, show forth His greatness and His goodness. Amen? Hallelujah. So we are coveting these gifts. Now, the working of miracles, let's talk about that for a minute. The NAS says the effecting of miracles. One, uh, one particular definition is the workings or the operation of the workings of miracle. That, the workings of miracles, that's plural. Workings of miracles. Workings of miracles. Man and miracles. Man and miracles go along with the working of miracles. Men are going to be involved in this work. Men are going to be involved in miracles. That's just the way God chose to do it. And you'll see over and over and again in the Word of God how that men were instrument of instruments of the workings of miracles. The operations, if you will, of miracles. And I dare say, God knows how to operate. Howard Carter, a great man of God, who's since gone on to be with the Lord many years ago, in much of the uh, school of thought concerning the gifts of the Spirit that I heard of growing up spiritually under Dad Hagen's ministry, and many have heard, he himself was influenced greatly by a book called Questions and Answers Concerning Spiritual Gifts. And that was by Howard Carter. Now listen to this definition of the working of miracles. I'm going to read it to you. Working of miracles is the supernatural demonstration of the power of God by which the laws of nature are altered, suspended, or controlled. Now, since God is the creator of the universe, He can alter, He can suspend, and He can control the laws of nature if need be. I mean, the sundial, hallelujah, was set backwards. It stood still. And so we see then, it is the demonstration of the power of God by which the laws of nature are altered, suspended, or controlled. It's, almighty, it's the almighty gift glorifying the God of power, stimulating the faith of His people, and astonishing and confusing the unbelief of the wicked. That's the working of miracles. According to the Greek concordance, the Greek word also carries with it this thought, working of miracles, explosions of almightiness. Or impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments. When God does what God does, we are going to be astonished. We are going to be grateful. In other words, the Greek could read it this way. To another, the working of miracles, of impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments, or the outworkings of explosions of almightiness and acts of power. Woo! Glory to God. I've waited all day to say that. Glory to God, I'm ready. How about you? I am ready for miracles. Hallelujah, I anticipate the inevitable. Glory to God. It is inevitable in this day, in this hour, that God is going to show forth His glory and His power. Glory to God. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, God's going to show up. He's going to show out. He's going to do what He does best. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. 
Turn with me to Exodus 7. Clear examples now of these working of miracles. Woo, glory to God. Now remember that God said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. God was well aware that Pharaoh was a person that had sorcerers, he had magicians, he had hired hands of the devil at his right hand. And God says, you know what, I'm going to harden his heart because I'm going to show up, I'm going to show off, and I'm going to show him who the real God of this universe is. Verse 3. And he said, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and I'm going to multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh will not hearken to you that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and I'm going to bring forth my armies and my people and the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians, they're going to know that I'm the Lord when I stretch forth my hand upon Egypt. And I'm going to bring my kids out from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord had commanded them, so did they. And Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 43, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying... When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then you shall say unto Aaron, Take your rod and cast it out before Pharaoh, and it's going to become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast his rod down before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. How many of you know that God, again, uses man? Man is involved in this working of a miracle. Man and miracles. Verse 11, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers and the magicians. They also did in like manner with their enchantments. Now understand this, that these magicians and sorcerers are not fairy tale characters. They are not birthday party uh, magicians coming to the kids' birthdays to do magic tricks. These guys are highly developed and highly trained in the works of the arts of darkness. And then the Bible says, For they cast on every man his rod, and they became serpents. So we see there's a touche going in the realm of the Spirit. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. God's greater than the devil. God's bigger than the devil. Why didn't the devil and his bunch swallow up Aaron's rod? Because the devil can't do anything that will trump God. Our God is greater. Mm. Swallow them up. That's God showing off. He's much superior. So they did something else again. Now notice at chapter 8, verse 2. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river is going to bring forth a lot of frogs. You know, go into your house and in your bedchamber, your bed, house your servants, upon thy people, thy ovens. All over the place. Frogs here, frogs there, frogs everywhere. Verse 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying to Aaron, Stretch forth thy hand and thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds. Cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. Aaron stretched his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. That's a miracle. But now notice this. The magicians did the same thing with their enchantments. 
And they brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. You know, that's just what you need is more frogs. I mean, duh. So what? You can make frogs too? Fine. You want more? Have at it. Listen, friend, there's a revelation here. All the devil can do is make it worse. The enemy is limited in his warfare against us. All the enemy can do is make something worse. He can never and will never be able to fix things. He'll just bring more frogs into your life. But oh, thank God. You know, it's interesting. Pharaoh in verse 8 called Moses and Aaron and said, Ask the Lord that these frogs could leave. And, I, and I'll do so. And Moses said, Go glory over me when she'll entreat for thee and thy servants, for thy people, to destroy these frogs. In other words, you want to get over the, When do you want these frogs to leave? Pharaoh, duh! The devil will make you dumb. In other words, when do you want those frogs to leave? Uh, tomorrow. Great messages have been preached entitled, One More Night with the Frogs. And there's a lot of people that want one more night with their crack. They want one more drink. They want one more illicit sexual escapade. Just one more night. How many of you know that one more night can kill you? Anyway, just a thought. And so we see that finally the frogs left. And so plague after plague happens. Working of miracles is happening. I want you to know that after the frogs left, the magicians and the sorcerers were sidelined. They couldn't produce lice. They couldn't produce boils. As a matter of fact, there were so many boils that came on the scene in the land of Egypt that the sorcerers and the magicians were covered with them to the degree that it devoured them. I want you to know, the devil may have some power, but he doesn't have any power like our Father has power. Amen. 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 And if anybody ever tries to put a curse on you, just laugh at him. Ha, 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 ha. Going to put a curse on me? Who do you think you are trying to put a curse on me? Why well, you can't curse whom God is blessed. I'm redeemed from the curse. Take your black magic, your black cat, all that junk and just take it back. Because you can't touch me. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You take your hoodoo, your voodoo and your what homebrew, whatever it is. See, what happens is when someone pronounces a curse on someone that's blessed, that curse turns around and comes back on them. Hey, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Say it real strong with me. Greater. Greater. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now, folks, we live in a society and we live in an atmosphere where the devil is trying to bring a revival of sorcery. He wants to bring a restoration of some of these things that happened over in Exodus 7. From the satanic church to some of the movies. Is it okay for your children to desire to be a witch? Is it okay 
for our teenagers to play games online that are filled with occultism and sorcerism. It's not okay. And how Satan packages his stuff is he packages it in humor. He packages it in some sitcoms. He packages it in books and some extremely popular movies. And I'm not going to mention any names, but you know. Demonic power is not cute. Reading palms is not cute. It is a false counterfeit of the almightiness of Almighty God. A person reading a palm, a person reading tarot cards is nothing but a familiar spirit, which is an evil spirit that knows information about you, and they're getting it directly from the devil. It is a counterfeit of the word of knowledge. We have no... (laughs) This is a good Sunday morning message. We have no business talking about what sign are you. I'll tell you what sign I am. I am one of those whose signs follow me because I'm a believer. I don't sing songs, Aquarius. I don't believe in Sagittarius. Hallelujah. I believe in the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The Word of the living God's more than enough for me. You want to know your future? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Get hooked up with the right source. He'll lead you. He'll guide you into all the truth. And you ever notice some of these palm readers? They're going to tell you how to get money and they live in a shack? (laughs) Madam Zulu knows nothing, tells all. 1 Kings chapter 18, please. Hallelujah. 1 Kings chapter 18. Everyone say miracles. What our kids ought to be pursuing is to be more like Jesus. And in your training of your children, it doesn't have to be boring. It can be exciting. It can be something that's real and something that is lasting. 1 Kings chapter 18. How many remember this one? Oh, this is so powerful. Glory to God. I'm going to read that definition again. In other words, the Greek could read. To another, working of impelling, staggering wonders or astonishments. Or the outworkings of explosions of almightiness and acts of power. Hmm. That does me good. That's where we're heading. Glory to God. Just lift your hands and say, that's us. Glory to God. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. And Elijah came to the people and said, how long are you going to be confused? If the Lord is God, let's follow him. If Baal is God, then let's follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Then said Elijah, 
unto the people, I even am only a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450. So it's 450 to 1. How many of you know you and God are a majority? Let them therefore give us two bullocks. Choose one bullock for themselves. Cut it in pieces. Lay it on wood. Don't put any fire under it. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under it. And you call on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord. Say it with me. I will call on the name of the Lord. Say it real strong. I will call on the name of the Lord. Of the Lord. The Bible says, Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. It's like the drunk that came to the church many, many years ago. And he would have fits in church and come and tear the altar up. And just everybody was so fearful one day that they thought he was coming to the altar just to tear the service up. He was related to one of the people. And he came to the altar and he just fell at the altar. And he said, Rely, Jesus! 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 He got up about two minutes later. The people were down there praying. They knew something was going on. He got up and he says, well, I'm saved. That does it. I'm born again. He was sober and he was saved. And they said, now, wait a minute. Don't you need to pray a little bit longer? You know, because he was such a bad person. They just couldn't believe that God could do such a quick work. I'm here to tell you that God can do a quick work. God can do almighty works. He can do astonishing works. All it takes is to call on the name of the Lord. That man went from that altar and became the most ardent soul winner in that church. Woo! Say Jesus three times. Jesus! 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 In your midnight hour, call out to Jesus. Glory to God. And you'll be saved. You'll be delivered. And that's what Elijah was doing. 450 to 1. He's calling on the name of the Lord. Amen? And he said, now here's, here's here's the deal, guys. The God that answers by fire, he's God. And all the people answered and said, okay. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first. For your minion, call on the name of your gods. Don't put any fire under it. He took the bullock, which was given to them, dressed it, and they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Wow. Saying, oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. Nobody answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. They were really getting, whew, we got to do something. Works of the flesh. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. And said, well, you better get louder. For he is a God. Either he is talking or maybe he is pursuing, literally going to the bathroom. Or he is in a journey. Or peradventure, he's asleep and he must be awaked. 450 to 1. <laughs> and they cried aloud and they started cutting themselves. You know, this cutting nonsense that takes place in the lives of people is demonic. People that cut themselves need help. People that cut themselves need help. And there's help in the house of God. Come on, somebody. 
That's where it comes from. They cut themselves. After their manner with knives and lances till blood gushed out of them. And it came to pass when, when midday was past. And they, they thought, well, maybe we can prophesy it in. Until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, there was neither voice nor any answer. Nothing happened. And Elisha said to the people, now, hey, come on over here. Come on, guys. Here, I want to show you how this is done. And they all came. And Elijah took 12 stones, which is representative of the tribes of what? Israel. According to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, so on. And whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed, put wood on, cut it in bullock in pieces, laid it on the wood, said, now here's what I want you to do. Get yourself some barrels and just fill them to the, fill them to the rim with brim. Four barrels with water. And here's, pour it on the sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, now do it again. And they did it again. And he said, do it again. And they did it the third time. And there was so much water that it ran upon the altar and filled the trench also with water. Everyone say, and it came to pass. And it came to pass. It didn't look like much would happen, but it did come to pass. It came to pass. This is a working of miracles. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham. He's calling on the name of the Lord. And he's doing it boldly. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you in the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, it'll turn you into another man. It'll make you bold. God help us to be bolder. Not colder, but bolder. The prophet came near. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I've done all these things at thy word. Hear me now, Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Everybody read that three times. Then the fire of the Lord fell. One more. Then the fire of the Lord fell. One more time. Then the fire of the Lord fell. The fire of the Lord did not fall until Abraham stood up boldly and prayed and declared. He is in the process of the working of a miracles and the fire of the Lord fell and it consumed the bird sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And not only that, it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. <laughs> and then Elijah said, now look, let's get rid of these prophets. Don't let one escape. They took them. Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and got them all saved. No, no. Cleaned house. No, he cleaned house. He killed them all. They cleaned house. This is a working of miracles. The devil does not have a corner on the market. The body of Christ is on Main Street. 
And miracles are happening with the greatest of ease on foreign soil. We could go to the Philippines tonight and preach messages in the Philippines open air. Miracles would be happening like popcorn. You can go over to Lagos, Nigeria. And you can preach the gospel, the simple gospel. And you can tell them that Jesus saved, Jesus heals, and Jesus delivers. Crutches will be flying everywhere. Blind eyes open. He is a God of miracles. It happens in an atmosphere where there is simple childlike faith. And that's why I'm teaching on this. Because the religious world says that the day and the age of miracles is past. Well, if the day and the age of miracles is past, then God is not alive. But we know He is alive. And that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I am the Lord and I change not. And what we are endeavoring to do in the Bay Area, we are is endeavoring to change the very atmosphere and the environment with faith, with prayer, and with expectation so the God of glory can show up, reveal, and show himself strong. And I don't care what religious people say. Because I tell you what, there's enough people outside of these doors that are hurting. There's enough people outside of these doors that need explosions of almightiness. They need great and mighty things in their life. Who's going to bring it to them? We are. Who's going to proclaim that God is God? And He don't change. I tell you, it's us. And if it ain't us, who? And if it's not now, when? And I'm not just talking about the group of people in here, but I'm talking about churches that are hungry for a move of Almighty God. Oh, glory to God. Are you hungry? Do you believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Now go to 2 Kings chapter 2. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And this is after Elijah was taken up into a whirlwind. And he kept trying to test Elisha. And he says, look, he said, you don't need to follow me. Elisha kept saying, look, as I so liveth, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be here when you're taken up in a whirlwind. Elisha was being mentored by Elijah. And it's very interesting that Elisha got a double portion. A double portion of Elijah's anointing means this, that in Elisha's ministry, it's recorded in the Bible, that he had twice the miracles that Elijah had. He got a double portion. And that double portion came to Elisha by environment. That double portion came to Elisha by association. That double portion and that mantle and that anointing fell upon him because he was in the right place at the right time serving the right man of God. Are you listening to me? And notice with me in chapter 2 verse 12. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took him of his clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah, the mantle's representative of the anointing, that fell from him, and went back, and he stood by the bank of Jordan. Here's what he did. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell down, He smote the waters and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? 
And when he had also smitten the waters, what happened? They parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. Is that a miracle? Or is that a miracle? Is that a miracle? Do you suppose the Red Sea being parted was a working of miracles? It was man and miracles. God supplied the power, but what did Moses need to do? He had to go like this. So that the waters could be parted. And some theologians said, well, it really wasn't that big of a deal because the water was only two foot deep. That would even be a greater miracle. That the whole Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water. Think about it. No, the Bible says that it was congealed. The word congealed means frozen. Hey, they're doing a little dance on the way over and they're cool while they're doing it. Amen? They get to the other side, it thawed out quick. (laughs) Oh, it thawed out quick. And they were goners. Another working of miracles. Now look quickly over at 1 Kings 17. Well, let's skip that one. That's another one. Let me summarize that one and let me go to the next one. Turn with me to Matthew 15. We'll look at the New Testament. I mean, you could could preach for months, literally, on the miracles in the Bible. It is amazing. How many of you know it was a working of miracles when the widow's cruise of oil didn't fail? But just kept flowing out. Just like a, a fountain of oil. Until it filled every vessel she had. And still, the cruise just kept flowing. Oh, glory to God. Jesus turned the water into what? He turned the water into wine. He turned the water into wine. Was that not a provisional miracle? Don't limit miracles just to the healing of bodies. And to the replacement of body parts. Miracles can also be provisional. He's a miracle working God. I don't know how he does it. But he just keeps doing it. He just keeps multiplying our seeds that are sown. Now that will preach a while. He will multiply your seeds that are sown. There is multiplication in the hands of the master. (laughs) You're part of the body of Christ. You're his hands in the earth today. Oh, Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 15 now. And let's, let's, let's think about this for a little bit. Verse 30. Matthew 15, verse 30. Everyone say, working of miracles. That's for us. That's for today. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 30. And great multitudes came to him, having those who were lame and blind and dumb and maimed and many others. And he cast them down at Jesus' feet. And what did he do? Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, lame to walk, and so on. And they glorified the God of Israel. Notice that God got the glory when they were healed, right? And Jesus said, called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they're with me in three days and they haven't eaten and I will not send them away fasting 
lest they faint in the way. So the master cares about people's stomachs. See, they've been out here three days. I can't send them away fasting. And his disciples said, well, when shall we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill a great multitude? And Jesus said unto him, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fishes. You know, one theologian said about the little boy's loaf and fish, he said, that was a big loaf. That was a huge loaf. To feed 10,000 people? Let's get serious. Religion will make you stupid. Unbelief will make you dumb. Just a thought. And they said, well, we got seven loaves. You know, you go, you go to Safeway or Lucky or Rallies and you get a loaf of sourdough. About like that, right? Okay. One loaf... Maybe two people. If I'm hungry, I can eat the whole loaf. Right? I mean, there's 12 disciples, so they're going to be fighting over seven loaves. I mean, I mean, if I'm real hungry, I can eat a lot of bread. Not necessarily the best thing for you, but you know what I'm talking about. Especially sourdough that's fresh with a little butter on it. Maybe a little peanut butter, maybe a little cheese. You know what I'm saying. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, a little bit of uh, clam chowder. Hey. All right. Verse 35. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. Look at this now. The master takes the seven loaves and fishes. He gives thanks. He blesses them. There's a power in the blessing. This is man in miracles. Jesus was the God man. He was a man of God. He was Jesus the Christ, but he was also Christ Jesus. He was Christ Jesus, but he was also Jesus of Nazareth. He had the hypostatic union. He was 100% man and 100% God. Wow. Son of man, son of God. Man in miracles. He takes these loaves. and He blesses them. And he gives thanks. And he gives it to his disciples. And then the disciples hand it to the multitude. Get the picture. And they all did eat. And were filled. They were filled. They got that half a loaf if they wanted it. And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. And they did eat, all they eat were 4,000 beside women and children. And if they were Catholics, it's probably about 10,000. And he sent away the multitude and took the ship and came to the coast of Magdala. Get the picture. He blesses it. He's anointed. A miracle is happening. But the miracle needed to be perpetuated through his disciples. If his disciples would have just gone, ha ha, it would have been gone. The disciples participated in the miracle by breaking off a piece and passing it. Then it went over to the Jones family. They gave to their kids. They broke off a piece. And then it went over to the Thomases. And the Thomases four ate and broke it. There's a working of miracles happening 
in a constant flow until they were all fed. That's astonishing. That's a work of almightiness. And the truth is this, that just a little bit that you put in the master's hand can become very much. So don't ever minimize the miracle worker by withholding your seed. It may look like a quarter of a loaf. It may be $2.50. It may look like a two-piece fish dinner from Popeye's or Long John Silver's. But put it into his hands. And you will see him do some miracles in your life. I'm telling you, we're in right now a time of stewardship. Don't let the devil cheat you out of a blessing. There's something in your house that you can give. There's something that you have to sow. Somewhere, somehow, you can come up. Either a garage sale or something. You can find a seed to sow. And though it may not seem like much, God doesn't look at that. He looks at your heart. And if you will put it in His hands, the miracle worker, He'll begin to multiply it. And if you'll do it with a pure heart, there'll be a time where you're picking up the fragments, you're picking up some more fish, and you're taking home more than you can carry. That's the kind of God we serve. But I wanted you to see this tonight. This is all attached to the working of miracles. And next week we're going to continue on throughout the Word of God. Because I don't want to just travel through this quickly. Because this is such a vital subject. Everyone stand on your feet right now. And let's be praying. Amen. Let's be praying right now for just a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask Pastor Tom to come to the platform. Lift up your voice right now. And let's all declare, God of miracles, you are alive today and you are on the throne. You are the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and you keep your covenant to a thousand generations. Dear Heavenly Father, we bow before you tonight. You are the Father. Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grant unto us, O God, according to the rich treasury of your glory. Lord, give your people grants, grants of gifts of the Holy Spirit. Divide, O God, to every man, severally as you will. We know that you are willing, and we are here tonight. Though we may be few in numbers, we are great in faith. And we say, Lord, we covet. And we are willing vessels for you to use us in explosions of almightiness, in utterance gifts, in power gifts, and in revelation gifts. Bring revelation unto our hearts that we may be a conduit of your working power. Show up, show off, show forth, give glory to yourself. Oh God, amen. And everybody just pray a little bit in the Holy Ghost.